now simply permits. Obama's lawyers, benefiting from Bush-era litigation and recent craven legislation, can claim conformity with law, but the disgraceful policies continue largely unchanged. Better, more sophisticated legal arguments obtain for acts that should give any decent human being nightmares. Our torturers and war criminals and illegal spies and usurpers remain at liberty, unpunished. The wars of choice continue and threaten to spread, while some 100,000 soldiers and at least that many private contractors attempt, as Obama so delicately put it, to finish the job in Afghanistan's graveyard of empires and our flying robots bomb villagers in the mountains of Waziristan. This, we are told, is progress. Admirers of the president embrace actions they once denounced as criminal, or rationalize and evade such issues, or attempt to explain away what cannot be excused. That Obama is in most respects better than George W. Bush, John McCain, Sarah Palin, or Joseph Stalin is beyond dispute, and completely beside the point. Obama is judged not as a man, but as a fable, a tale of moral uplift that redeems the sins of America's shameful past. Even as many supporters begin to show their inevitable displeasure with his policies or his job performance, and his poll numbers decline, to his liberal supporters the character and motivations of the president remain above question. He is a good man. I trust him to do the right thing. It is no surprise that innocent children, naive European prize committees, and professional Democratic partisans continue to revere the former heroic candidate, despite everything he has done and left undone. Nor is it surprising that the Republican Party and the broken remnants of the old white supremacy coalition hate and fear the man and will oppose him without quarter, excepting, of course, his war and torture policies, which flatter their nationalist impulses. Puzzling, however, is the fact that the president, who until recently was an obscure striver in Chicago's democratic machine, continues to inspire perfervid devotion among many intellectual liberals who know their history. Even they say, be patient, give him time. It's hard to change the government. Or more cynically, he's the best we can do. Thus, his most knowledgeable admirers assume the burden of Obama's sins, bite their tongues, and indulge the temptation to frame his shortcomings as America's own. Obama is not to blame. We are to blame. Obama has not failed us. America has failed him. If there is a sense in which we the people have failed, it is not that we have neglected to live up to Obama's ideals, his great and historic hopes to bring change to Washington. If we have failed, it is because we have abdicated our sovereign duties in the naive hope that a Redeemer would come to deliver us from politics and thus from history. Americans dislike politics. We take every opportunity to denounce politicians and government bureaucrats, even as we pay elaborate homage to the transcendent virtue of the American system of government. One reason for this political schizophrenia is no doubt the substantial gap between the mundane realities of our hopelessly corrupt political system and our ideological image of it. Every political regime, no matter how debased, has its sacred narratives, its myths, dogmas, and tales of glory 
that are designed to reproduce loyal subjects. America's mythological narrative concerns democracy, and that narrative is as distant from reality as it is from James Madison's vision of the republic he helped to establish. Our scriptures are the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, and a loose canon of essays and letters by the Founding Fathers, our national saints, who are treated by the faithful as if they acted and spoke with one mind. As with the Bible and the New Testament, of course, most Americans revere our sacred texts without bothering to study them or to achieve basic competence in their interpretation. According to the conventional theory that appears in our civics textbooks, modern democracy is a political system under which the people decide how they wish to be governed by electing representatives who carry out their will. The ultimate source of authority in the democratic system is thus the sovereign voter.